I think we should have the Olympics in Bloomington. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast, your home for all the latest and greatest in IU football news. Cameron Drummond, the IDS football columnist, talking to you from inside beautiful Franklin Hall, joined as always by Murphy Wheeler and Sean Mintert, our IDS football reporters here on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Boys, Murphy, Sean, how are we doing today? It's a little hot. Oh, yeah. It's a little I hot. thought it was going to be cooler There's when I walked down to beautiful Franklin Hall today. Always something that you guys complain about. Yes. You just can't be happy. Yes. Wow. Some ungrateful people we have on this podcast today. But thank you for joining us. We'll be sure to get you prepped for Michigan State this Saturday night at Memorial Stadium. We'll also take a look back at IU's close to non-conference play, their 38-10 to victory over the Ball State Cardinals. IU now 3-0 to go up against a 1-1 Michigan State ball club this weekend. And we'll also touch upon some of the other news and notes around the country and kind of of particular relevance to IU, just the Big Ten's performance last weekend as a whole, which was shambolic to say the least with a bunch of upsets occurring. That was a big word. Abysmal. Shambolic or abysmal? Both. Did you say abysmal? You said abysmal. I did. Murph, I think Murphy's just impressed by the English language. I just learned the word shambolic. Shambolic's a great word. It's 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 an elite word, like top ten level. Mm. All right. What words do you like, Murphy? Um, cat. Cat. <laughs> dog. <laughs> Anything that's one syllable and four yeah. or less letters. It's gotta be three or less, to be honest with you. You can't get past three. Yeah, like <laughs> a is a good word. It. Me. <laughs> so IU wrapped up non-conference play last weekend on Saturday afternoon with a 38-10 to home victory against Ball State. Uh, let's not spend a ton of time talking about that because but it was— But we learned so much from it. No, it's Ball It was we Ball State. We learned so much from it. We learned that the pork tenderloin in the press box is solid. Yeah, pretty it's good. all right. We thought it would be chicken. They went pork on us, which was—you know, that, that was the biggest surprise of the game, honestly. On, yeah, no, I was pleasantly surprised yeah. by the food, to be honest like, with you. It's been it's been solid so I far this like year. I ate, like, five bags of chips, and mm-hmm. then I had— I, I don't And I also didn't know. have to watch Cam eat <laughs> just cold taco meat for two quarters. You That's ate right, something so. weird, though. What was it? Um, I talked about this with Michael Dugan on his it podcast. It was the donut. It yes. was the donut. So, quick plug, Michael Dugan's podcast, This Week in IU Football, nope. found on the Assembly nope. Call podcast oh network. Andrew Hussey has made a valiant return to Franklin Hall. He's currently standing outside. We'll bring him on here in a little bit as a special guest once he gets situated. But what we're talking about is I ate a donut at some point in the third quarter of the Ball State game, and it was like a half-eaten donut, and it was warm, and it was sticky, but I needed some calories, and I needed a sugar boost because the game had already been decided at that point. Speaking of warm and sticky, Andrew Hussey is in (laughs) the studio here. God, why are you here? Grow up. Move on. You're supposed to leave this place we call Bloomington. Are you Peter Pan? Have we speaking to the mic, Hussey? Let's remember where you came from. How you doing, man? Pretty well. Just got back down here from Indy. Yeah? What'd you do today? I worked. Wow. What'd you work on? <laughs> I ran the Twitter for the Indianapolis Star. Sports. Remember when Hussey ran this podcast compared to how I run this podcast now? I'm not going to lie. I never listened to it when... It's much better with Cam on it. Thank you. He's a good host. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's not go too far here. <laughs> we were just getting into the discussion of the Ball State game, so anyone can chime in at this point. Sean, Murphy, Huss, what did you see in that game? Because IU basically just whipped a really low-tier MAC team like they should have. 
covered the spread for the first time this season. And perhaps more importantly than anything else, they kept their star players, their most important pieces on both offense, defense, and special teams all healthy heading into uh, the Big Ten opener against Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, they just did what they were supposed to. For the first time in what seemed like a while, they really closed out an inferior opponent and, and didn't make it that close. And um, They just didn't give Ball State any room to breathe. They were up 24-3 to at halftime. The game was just over by then. In and this book. was after Ball State started the game going up 3 nothing too. Yeah, I mean, this the old first drive problem came back yeah. uh, in the third straight game. Of course, not as bad as Virginia where it just turned into a touchdown. But, yeah, Ball State went down, got their points, and then didn't score for the rest of the half. and yeah, Didn't I mean, score until two minutes left in the third quarter. So yeah, Murphy, I mean, we like to be respectful on this podcast. I'm sorry, and... I thought he was done. No, I'm done. Um, it's okay. But no, the thing <laughs> is, I mean, honestly, we didn't learn a whole lot at all from this game. Um, Ball State, obviously, not the best of teams in the world, probably the worst team they're going to – well – they may not be the well, worst team IU we, plays We this will year. get into the Rutgers yeah. situation later. Yeah, Rutgers and Purdue. I mean, Ooh, over, yeah. overall, I mean, they looked all right, and <clears throat> the offense looked good once again. Honestly, I thought Peyton Ramsey played a pretty good game once again, going twenty for twenty-seven. Uh, didn't do anything crazy or spectacular, but he just got the job done like he has been all well, season. Well, and kept the ball clean too. Didn't have any interceptions, no right. turnovers. Yeah. So he's he stayed consistent, which is fine. And I thought the defense looked pretty good. I thought they got in the backfield, made some big plays. Jonathan Crawford, Raekwon Jones, both had really nice games. I think Allen said they were the two co-defensive players of the game at his press conference on Monday. Um, so I thought they both played pretty well. I think Allen wanted a few more takeaways than they had. I think they just had the one. Um, when Isaac James had that interception at the very last second of the game. Yeah, Tom Allen really touched upon the TD roof dropped interception because yeah. not only was that a dropped interception, Allen kept saying how it was a dropped pick six opportunity in yeah. reality. And the thing is, that kind of sucks, though, because TD roof actually played a really good game, I thought. RT Doof. Okay. All okay. Right. I see how this is. <laughs> Can you beat professional? I see how this is. Have we ever been before? Huss, did you even watch the game, to be honest? Yes. I have watched. I did watch the Ball State game. All of it. I was driving to work for after the second half. Oh, oh. So you were watching the game while driving. No, that's irresponsible. I watched the first half and then had to drive to work. So that's really irresponsible, actually. Yeah, that's that's. Mm. We're done listening to you for today. Yeah. So as we mentioned. <laughs> I use defense with a pretty solid performance. You talked about Jonathan Crawford, Raekwon Jones, a couple of the guys who had good showings. T.D. Roof, really, I mean, it's just the linebackers as well. That was your sidebar, Murphy, after the game. You can find that on idsnews.com slash sports. Just the fact that I use linebackers in particular really come into their own. I mean, we knew they were going to have to be new faces at that position this season. And while they haven't played the highest caliber of opponent, they've faced kind of three unique offenses, one with a two-quarterback system in FIU, one with a mobile quarterback in Virginia, and one with Riley Neal in Ball State, which was really a pass-happy, pass-oriented offense. And aside from, you know, a couple missed assignments and miscommunications in the FIU game, they've really passed their tests so far with flying colors. Yeah, and the thing is with the linebackers, I think it's interesting. This group, obviously, T. Gray Scales, Chris Covington, losing those two guys this offseason was huge. Um, and left a few, a couple of big holes there at the linebacker position. But honestly, that group did not play very well against Florida International. And Tom Allen even said so, that that was kind of a group he challenged the next week. Um, and they got a lot better against Virginia. And then they got uh, even better against Ball State. Now, of course, Ball State, not the best opponent once again. But um, I thought they did get a lot better. I think they are improving a lot. And I think that's going to help this defense a ton um, just because – 
they could help limit the big runs that people go on every once in a while. We saw that against Florida International. Anthony Jones, the running back, mm-hmm. had a really good game against IU, and that was a big reason. The big reason why was because there are some holes right there in the middle of that defense. So um, I think it's good to see that those guys are playing a lot better, being a lot more aggressive. Raquan Jones is a pretty good player overall. I think he is their best player at that position. But they are really deep, and I think that's big. They've been rotating a lot of guys in and out of there. Mm-hmm. They they did look better, and they've looked better week to week. But don't forget they did give up over 200 yards rushing in that game. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. James Gilbert had a better game than I really remembered. He had 89 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 5.6 yards a carry, and that's well, you know as well, good as he barely had a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, uh, but. Ball broke the plane. Did it? Rules are rules. Well, I don't know. I think it's the year of our Lord 2018. We can have a camera on the end zone line, right? I agree. Why don't we? Why don't we have the microchip in the football? What? Can we? Yeah, get goal line goal line decision system. No, just a microchip embedded somewhere in the football that can calculate when it like crosses the plane, the linear line of the white of the end zone. Mm -hmm. The linear line. Why can't we do that? Like, it's 2018, man. We have flying cars. Nope. Can we get Elon Musk to put a don't. chip in the football? Well, I, I will I don't say think Elon, we need Musk, Elon Musk. Yeah, to Elon do Musk that. can do anything. So, can we get Ninja to put a chip in the football? What does he have to do with anything? Yeah, why? We were, were talking about Ninja, Ninja before the podcast. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I guarantee you, he's never heard of IU football. <laughs> <laughs> so James Gilbert with a better day on the ground than maybe you expected, but you still think as a whole IU's defense, you know, kept ball check. I mean, yeah, they look better than they did against FIU for sure. And then, you know, Virginia. That was a game where the running game was going to be, you know, it was going to their offense was going to be a little bit more weighted towards the running game, yeah. and they knew that going in, and they still were able to shut down Perkins and um, Jordan Ellis, Jordan Ellis, the running back. Yeah, so you know they did their job last week. This week, I'd say they might have plateaued a little bit. Mm, um, geographical, but oh yeah, oh yeah, that's spoken like a true Kansas. I prefer sign. peninsulas. There, there are no plateaus in Kansas. The elevation doesn't change fast enough. Oh, and no, yeah, plateau is when like it goes up on a hill, like a butte or a crescent, and it <laughs> continue. I'm done. <laughs> so IU special teams also had a really solid performance against Ball State. Maybe the first time this season that we've really had an X factor breakout game, or even just a good game across the board from IU special teams, because. I mean, Jason Harris's 86-yard punt return, that was the highlight moment. That's the thing everyone remembers. But also, Peyton Hendershot blocked a punt. Logan Justice was successful on all five extra point attempts and his lone field goal attempt, which in the FIU game, IU had nothing going in the return game. And in the Virginia game, they, of course, had the blocked extra point go back for a two-point conversion. So by far and away, this was IU's best performance on special teams this season. Not even to mention the fact that the Reese Taylor experience has shifted from offense to now special teams because he's taken over kick returns from Mike Majette. Yeah, and shout out to Jay Sean Harris. I mean, the dude's friend torn. of the program, Jay Sean Harris. The, the friend of the program, Jay Sean Harris, uh, has torn three ACLs in his career, and now he's back. And he had that really nice return. He had another one that got called back mm-hmm. that, was that was a good return, close as to well. a touchdown. That's yeah, right. he got down like the eight yard line before it got called back. Um, but he's looked really good. I think he even tied a record of his three career punt returns tied an IU record. Uh, for career punt With returns. Tim so he, Wilbur, I believe. Yeah, and I think he could probably catch that even very soon um, just because he is a very dynamic punt returner, very big weapon, to be honest, for IU. Um, so, yeah, wh- 
It's unbelievable, honestly. Three ACLs. Well, the thing is, too, is everyone's talked about how much of an X factor and how much of a potential spark Jason Harris is for this IU team. He's been here, I believe this is his fifth or sixth year now because he's a redshirt senior. But fifth, yeah. Fifth, fifth but year. All three of his punt return touchdowns have come within the last two seasons because his two last year were against Virginia and I believe Georgia Southern. What would you do after you tore three ACLs, Cam? I don't think I think I would tear one and cry a lot. Yep, I know that would happen. Maybe get some ice cream. <laughs> how in how would you tear your ACL? Is the question. Yeah. How would, would Cameron Drummond tear? His I ACL? would tear my ACL doing something really stupid. Yeah, I'm waiting to see what that. Maybe really doing st- laundry, like that, reaching for a yeah. sock, falling down the stairs or something. <laughs> well, I don't believe in stairs. <laughs> I don't live with stairs because stairs get in the way when you you're don't. trying to move a couch. You're literally on the IU football beat. You have to climb up and down those stairs every single yeah, game. Yeah, you're going to fall was, down those wait a stairs. Hold wait on, a hold on, hold on. What? Go. Okay. Speak. Let me tell you about those stairs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for those who don't know, at Memorial Stadium, there's two ways to get from the press box to the field. One is down the world's worst elevator, which houses maybe 15 to 20 people max and is very slow. The second way is going up and down the entire length of a concrete staircase from the field to the very top of the stadium. And we elected to do the latter before the Ball State game, and it was hot. I would like to know just how many stairs we went down and up um, in that time span. But let me tell you, we go down on the field before the game. We go down. Not too bad. Then we come back up uh. after we're down there for a little bit. I think it got 10 degrees hotter by the time we were coming back up. So we were all just sweating profusely by the time we got there in the press box. And that was bad enough. So then after the game, we go down the regular stairs that kind of go down through a tunnel and stuff to go to the press conference. That's fine. I take my laptop and my bag down there with me to the team room. We get all the way back up. We take the elevator back to the press box. Along with close personal friends Mike Miller and Zach Osterman. And at that moment is when I realized I left my bag and my laptop in the team room. So instead of waiting on the elevator, I go back down the stairs that we went down (laughs) earlier, run to the team room, run back, and run back up the stairs again. And I'm not going to lie to you, by like the last 10 steps, I'm not joking, my knees gave out on me. There was oh, yeah. one moment that I literally went down and I was like, I can't move anymore. You did mention that your le- your leg had like seized up on you. I think I pulled, I think I tore three ACLs, pulled a hamstring, and broke a kneecap on the way up. It was the worst experience I've ever you been. You probably still don't have the toughness of Jason Harris though. I don't know. I Could did Jason write a run up those stairs. Yeah, I did r- run back up and write a story. So was it a good story? Uh, I mean, the, the, uh, yeah, the jury's out on that one. Oh, okay. Well, we've I gone, quit. We've gone so far off track here. So, I mean, the Ball State game we mentioned at the opening, it really didn't tell us much. We knew IU. I mean, if they were going to prove themselves to be anywhere near a legit team, probably should have throttled Ball State. Do you guys read anything at all into the fact that IU blew him out by 28 versus Notre Dame? Andrew Hussey, shout out, struggling to barely get past the Cardinals and only winning by eight. Is that significant in any way? Nope. No. What Other than think, the Josh? fact that IU is better than Notre Dame, no. Ooh. Hussey, <laughs> thoughts? Thoughts? Yeah, on Notre Dame Ball State. No comment. 
All right, then. Yeah. That's that's about right. So that conversation went just the way you thought it would go. <laughs> and further adding to that kind of topic real quick, um, when you look at the latest S&P projections for IU, I believe they're like 23 in the country. Yeah, they're ranked S&P, 23rd. Yeah. S&P has become very reactive this season. So, you know, as soon as a game happens, there's a lot more influence of that most recent game versus, like, what your projected season outcome is. IU is nowhere close to being a top 25 team in the country, right? Right now? Like You're right now. like in the polls? As in just like they're the 23rd best team in the country analytically right now by analytics. But you're asking like is are that they right? close to being that in the polls? Yeah. Like people voting them? Well, like, are, Absolutely and, not. And no. are they just a 20th? No. Like, do they no. pass the eye test for you no. for being the 23rd no, best team in the country? No, they are not the 23rd best no. team in the country. Hate to break it. I mean part of that is due to just quality of opponent. But, you know, if they can put a performance together against Michigan State who is admittedly not as good as people thought they would be going into the year – uh, they've already fallen, I think, 13 spots in the top 25. Because then they, after then, starting then they start the year, out right, 11. Around, yeah. right around the top 10. They were 11th at the start of the year, and they're 24th going into this week. But still, that's still a ranked team. That's still a team that's probably going to win at least eight games, probably more. Um, and if they can put together a good, solid performance, and you know, especially if they win, I'd, I'd say I'd put them into my others receiving votes category. If Because we're, in a, because we're all accredited AP poll voters yes, here. yeah. I, I don't even know if they're there yet right now. Talking about IU? Yeah, and I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And maybe if a win over Michigan State, even I don't think that even pushes him in any. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. I mean, they'd be 4-0 for the seventh time in program, program history. history. And they've been playing football since 1894, I want to say. I just think at that point they would have drawn enough attention um, – you know, just being 4-0 in a year that a lot of the Big Ten teams have already lost um, to inferior opponents. IU has not done that. Um, so I think they'd have to at least be in the back of people's minds when it comes to top 25 voting if they get a win. I think it would push them into getting receiving some votes just mm-hmm. because it is a top 25 team. But I think more people would lean on the fact that – or lean on the mindset that that – if IU won, that would prove Michigan State is yeah. not as good Rather as they thought. Opposite. Than the opposite. Yeah, because that would drop Michigan State out of the top right. 25. Exactly. So I think that's where most people would lean towards in that situation. Because they would be one and two. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. is right. – that's got to mean something. So that's a perfect segue into talking about not only the Michigan State game this coming weekend and, you know, kind of preview and giving you guys a look at what the Spartans are going to bring to Memorial Stadium, but also let's look back on just what a disastrous weekend it was for the Big Ten. Like, I cannot emphasize – emphasize enough how much of a disaster that was for the conference. So let's just kind of go through the table real quick and touch on each Big Ten school in no particular order. You have Nebraska losing to Troy at home, and that's two consecutive losses for Scott Frost as Nebraska Troy's head coach. Troy's actually really good. Troy yeah, is Troy's good. good. Troy is the UNT of the Sun Belt. All right. There's and some Texas North Texas there. is the Troy of Conference USA. Oh, okay. So that's a bad enough loss. Staying in the West, Minnesota is 3-0 and now. Minnesota is really mirroring what Indiana is doing in the West of the Big Ten because Minnesota's also had a real kind of cupcake, for lack of a better term, non-conference schedule. I believe they beat Miami of Ohio this past weekend to get to 3-0. and You have Wisconsin, number six in the country, getting upset at home to BYU, which was fresh off a loss to Cal. And I don't think anyone saw that coming. I think it was Wisconsin's first non-conference loss in maybe something like 100 games at Camp Randall Stadium. 
So that takes one of your two top Big Ten uh, college football playoff contenders out, definitely the best one in the West. And then we get to my favorite case, which was Northwestern, who blew an 18-point home lead to Akron, and that was Akron's first win over a Big Ten school since something like 1892. Yikes. That's not good. Big yeah, Ten. which in the and the Big Ten wasn't even formed yet when they when they last beat a Big Ten school. That's incredible. That's like the stat of the year for Akron sports, probably. Staying in the West, we also had Purdue <laughs> now 0 and three on the season. Their loss was a little bit more excusable. Um, what was it? Home to Missouri from mm-hmm. the Southeastern Conference. Missouri's not bad right now. I mean, they're but an SEC Purdue school. Is bad. Missouri's good. Is, Dr- is yeah. Drew Locke Drew still Locke, at Drew Locke's Heisman a first-round draft pick. Drew Locke's been at Missouri for, I think, eight years. <laughs> Three. He's been there since yeah, I've been. Yeah, I mean, so you're when wrong. I was, back, when I was, back after I got accepted to Missouri, I believe that Drew Locke was still their quarterback. Oh, wow. wow. Humble oh, brag oh, if I've yeah, ever seen one. Hey, getting accepted to Missouri is not a humble brag. Ooh, yikes. A tumbleweed could get into that school. The president like. doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Is there anyone else I'm forgetting about in the West? I don't have uh, Illinois lost at a neutral site. Well, neutral yeah, site. Yeah, they lost to Soldier Florida, Field, which might as well be neutral because there were like ten people there. To South Florida, and I believe they gave up 18 fourth quarter points to That's the Bulls. Correct. Charlie Strong still doing pretty good work. Headline: right. Illinois loses. Whoop de do. Almost lost to um, Kent State earlier this season. But Charlie Strong's beard right now. But not Charlie Strong. Lovey Smith, Lovey you mean? Smith. Lovey Smith said he would not shave his beard at Illinois until they won a Big Ten game. And guess what? He still has a beard. That man is going to have a long beard by the end of the, <laughs> by the, end of the year. Do you, don't think they, you don't think they have a shot at Purdue? So I think that's the Big Ten West wrapped up. Now let's shift focus to the East. Penn State takes care of business. I believe they also played Kent State this uh-huh. week. And after that very close call week one against Appalachian State, Penn State, I think, throttled Kent State by like 30 or 40 points. They so. beat them by 53. Oh, 53. My goodness gracious. That's a whooping right there. So they took care of that. <laughs> that was the most, like, nerd sense I've ever heard. Oh, my goodness. Goodness gracious. <laughs> that was a whooping. <laughs> This is an incredible episode happening right now. Ohio State was in an absolute dogfight against Texas Christian at Cowboy Stadium in Arlington. And TCU, I believe, had the lead maybe as late as the third quarter of that game. But Ohio State eventually turned it up, so they're still undefeated on the season. Urban Meyer back at coach for them. He'll be coaching them against Indiana in a couple weeks' time. But they have Tulane this weekend, so the Buckeyes still shouldn't have any problem you know, maintaining that undefeated record, probably heading into that Indiana game. We have Michigan State, which was, curiously enough, on a bye week um, following their loss at Arizona State about a week prior. Now it's to Herm Edwards' Sun Devils group, which all of a sudden is good in the Pac-12. What else do we have in the East? Indiana, of course, won. Hussey, what did the Michigan Wolverines do? They beat SMU. That's a dagger. It wasn't really bad, too. It was 45 to 20. Southern Methodist is not good. Hate to break it to everyone. They're 0-3. Lost to UNT. Well, Shout I didn't. I didn't really have big expectations for the Mustangs. Well, I didn't have big expectations for Sonny Dykes when he became head coach of the Mustangs. Which pivots former SMU coach Chad Morris now at Arkansas, lost by like a billion at home to UNT. Oh wow! Can't emphasize that enough. Here? Just a marquee nice. matchup Damn. right there. E. So that was Michigan. That's four of the. And I think that's. Five You're forgetting the, the biggest one. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm delaying. The, oh, Maryland. Bad loss for Maryland too. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. thirty. Yeah, they Temple. lost by three touchdowns. And Temple had just gotten beat by Villanova. Yeah, that was Temple's FCS first program. year, first win of the year. Shout out Teddy Bailey, Villanova Wildcats. So that's a really bad loss for Maryland, who started the season with a win over Texas, which beat USC. 
So we're beginning this like college football uh, cycle of life where everyone beats. The everyone. thing about all these teams is that none of them are good. Right, but they're all so. like kind of known. That's the thing. And now let's get to Rutgers. Let's just talk about Rutgers. I don't want to talk. Let's about talk Rutgers. about the Rutgers question. What about them? Should they be relegated to <laughs> FCS? Yes. Can we replace Rutgers in like Army or something? That game was the winner got to stay in FBS. So and the Kansas, loser had congrats. to be relegated to, to FCS. So stays alive. Yep. Kansas lives to fight another week. Jayhawks are back. <laughs> Rutgers, which will be IU's game after the Michigan State game, the Hoosiers will go to Piscataway. They gave up 55 points on the road in Lawrence, a sentence that no team should ever say out loud. And they lose by like 40 to the Jayhawks, and that's probably Rutgers' worst performance in God the history of their program? I, I mean, don't know. Probably the worst game they've played since the Michigan 77 nothing game. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but Kansas is just so much worse than Michigan. Like, Yeah, <laughs> that's that's correct. Kansas did beat Texas not that long ago, if I recall. Yeah, but they beat them on a last-second field goal, and that was Texas's worst year in, like, the last 30 years. Right. So... I guess where this is all going is if IU is able to get past Michigan State this weekend, IU is going to be five and zero going to Columbus, Ohio, because they're not losing to before Rutgers. We look, right? We so they, you're to saying you're going to focus on that Rutgers State. game? Let's talk yes. about Michigan like, State. Like IU is going to be either four and one or five and zero going to Ohio State on the Spartans. Don't, you can find that at idsnews.com/sports as well. What should Hoosier fans be expecting from the Spartan team? What should they be looking for? Because this isn't really your typical Michigan State team. Yeah, um, I still think they're going to try and play like your typical Michigan State team. They're going to try. I think they're going to try and get L.J. Scott going because he has done nothing so far this year for Michigan State. He only has 106 yards in his first two games. He's averaging only 3.4 yards a carry. He's he's been pretty poor um, against Utah State and Arizona State. He's not doing anything catching the ball, but they have to get him going if they're really going to be, you know, as good as they maybe expect to be this year. Um, I mean, at quarterback, they've got Brian Lewerke again. Um, he was named to the, to the Davey O'Brien award watch list. Along with probably every other quarterback um, oh in the yeah, country. Oh yeah. Um, he's not, there's a lot of similarities I think between him and Peyton Ramsey. Really? Um, I think both of them, they're not going to turn the ball over and break your back with an interception late. And they're not going to turn the ball over a whole lot anyway. And they're, but they just, there's just something missing there, you know, whether it's with Ramsey, it's big playability. You know, Lewerke hasn't exactly been the best in the red zone. He hasn't thrown a lot of touchdowns. So there's something glaring there that kind of holds them back from becoming, you know, a, a really, really elite quarterback. But they're both good, solid options at quarterback for their respective teams. And they get the job done for the most part. Right. Nothing electrifying, nothing flashy, mm -hmm. but you can feel safe kind of having them behind yeah, neither Neither Ramsey or Lewerke is going to lose the game for you. Right. But they don't win it a whole lot either. There you go. And something that was a huge talking point going into the IU-Michigan State game last season, Hussey, you can chime in if you're competent at speaking, again, if you've regained your vocal cords, was the the big deal last year was L.J. Scott, because I think L.J. Scott had just like picked up his like eighth parking ticket or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Something really insane like that. Like He was actually like going to go to you know jail for a bit. or he had going to go to actual jail. He had some legal problems, though, because of how many parking tickets he had. And the question was whether or not D'Antonio was going to play L.J. Wasn't Scott. Suspended for the first he was drive. Suspended for the first drive or the first two drives, and then and came someone in. Someone made some really bad jokes about driving and being suspended for a drive. And yeah, we don't need to tickets. talk about who people 
who did that. Would one of those people be sitting in this room? Um, it wasn't me, so we I feel like it's a Seth Powell kind of thing. <laughs> so he only got suspended for a couple of drives. He came on, you know, played the rest of the game, had a good game against the Hoosiers. He'll be back again this week, as we mentioned. He had a bit of a leg injury in that Arizona State game. And as you mentioned, Sean, he's only been averaging something like three yards per carry, like nothing super good. And there's a super good article, if anyone wants to read up a lot more about the Spartans, in the Detroit Free Press from a couple days ago by Chris Solari. And it's basically talking about the idea of brain farts have contributed to Michigan State's limited offense so far this season. And by brain farts, he's talking about missed blocks on the offensive line, guys just forgetting to pick up assignments, wide receivers not holding their blocks down the field, and even some of that falls on Lewerke as well, not changing plays at the line of, squim- at line of scrimmage. Excuse me. The scrimmage. <laughs> and also Lewerke not having very um, noticeable pump fakes, you know, not really drawing the defense in and not selling the plays super well. So I guess, I mean, a question for you and Sean and Murphy is how can IU maybe exploit these things, particularly on the defensive side of the ball? Well, they can try and take advantage of, of, an, of an offensive line that has really struggled to – to really to take control of the game you know Tom Allen's talked about his offensive line dominating the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. the Michigan State offensive line has done almost the complete opposite um so they've they not just dominated. don't yes <laughs> they just don't there just isn't really a, a coherent I don't know if that's the right word running game yeah um, that's, that's English so you know with IU sort of struggling against the run and I would say two out of their three uh non-conference games playing an offensive line that isn't really doing what D'Antonio wants them to do and they're not they're not giving LJ Scott enough opportunities to really make big plays this could be a really good opportunity for them to get a good start um, in Big Ten play when you're gonna see plenty of good running backs if they can get off on the right foot against Michigan State who isn't who isn't so far one of the better running teams in the Big Ten then that's then that's a huge plus for them going into the rest of the Big Ten schedule. Right, like a super interesting stat about this Michigan State offense so far. They've had 829 total yards of offense between their game against Utah State and Arizona State. But 601 of those yards have come passing, while only 228 have come on the ground. And that's a very un-Michigan State-like stat line. So Murphy, how can maybe IU secondary, how are they going to have to you know, kind of account for that and maybe take – MSU's passing game into more consideration than they have in the past two or three years against the Spartans. You know, I I mean, I'm not really sure just because this the secondary has been a little bit of a concern for IU at times this year. I know they've made they've made some nice plays back there. They have a few players that stand out, obviously like Jonathan Crawford or somebody like that. But I mean, I don't know. You're gonna have to limit mistakes. Obviously, we can't have a thing. Came a situation like against Florida International where Ashawn Riggins had was it two or three three penalties against three them. penalties. Can't have that, obviously. Uh, you can't get burned, you know, how we've seen a few of those guys get burned in the past. Right. Uh, um, probably can't have any missed interceptions like TD Roof. I mean, right. drop, yeah, you cannot, drop interceptions. You cannot give up opportunities like that, that's for sure. Um, and just keep staying aggressive, you know. I think that really has helped has helped this team a lot, this defense. Um, I, we saw it against Ball State. They get those guys into the backfield a little bit. It can create a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Um, and I think that happened with Riley Neal last week. I think it could happen again this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jonathan Crawford's kind of the key. I mean, he really is. I mean, he's the he's the spark plug of this this defense. He's the main guy. He's probably their best player right now. Um, they're going to need him to do a little bit of everything. They're going to need him to hit on a little every aspect of the game. Um, and I got a feeling he is going to make a big play at some point, whether it be an interception or a huge sack or a forced fumble, something along those lines. 
Um, I could see it definitely happening, and that's what they need to happen. They need to force turnovers um, because, again, Allen has stressed make, getting more takeaways, obviously, all week. Right, and so before we go too far into the you know kind of preparation and actually talking about predictions for MSU, you want to do fourth and one? Who wants it this week? Um, Huss. 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 Huss gets fourth and one. Huss isn't going to know the answers. Uh. What do you mean? You can ask me other questions. Oh, Is this like I a multiple know. choice question? Yeah, it's like a test. Hussey doesn't test well. Oh, wow. That's what I've been told. I graduated. I've, still, I've heard things, man. He passed the ultimate test. The test of life? Yeah. <laughs> I have a diploma. Do you? He has yeah. a signed piece of paper that says he's smart. I don't have one of those. <laughs> oh, okay. So fourth and one. Do you know what it is? You've listened to this podcast. I've to it, yeah. Okay. He so some questions and I give some answers. You have a minute though to answer four questions. That's not hard. Okay. Well, we'll make it hard then. How's that? All right. Ready, Hussy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Over under forty five thousand people as attendance and why? Over. Because it's going to be a nice day in Michigan State. It's projected to rain and be in the 60s. <laughs> that sounds well, good. It's well, a g- we're off to a good start. <laughs> Next question. Any other meat or chicken for the press box dining option? I think it's going to be lasagna. Wow. Ooh. I could, I could go for that. I could If it's going to be like a coldish, rainy day, I could go for some lasagna. That wouldn't be too bad. All right. Over under 300 passing yards for Peyton Ramsey. Under. Over under 300 passing yards for the IU offense. Under. Mm, so you're not feeling the Michael Penix vibe from this game? I think success? it's going to be a low-scoring game. These two teams kind of slug it out. All right, final question then. Over under 40 total points. Under. Why? I just said it's going to be a slug it out kind of game, kind of like last year, but where both teams kind of kept it on the ground and no one could really score. All right, that wasn't too bad. I think you gave him. Did you give him five questions? Maybe I, think you did. I may have given him five. And he still I got, got it. I, I got still, a fifth yeah, down. Yeah, fifth down. Yeah, fifth down. Yeah, this was like a Colorado, Nebraska from the nineties. I don't think that was Nebraska. He, Colorado, someone. Yeah, Colorado, someone from the nineties where they had that fifth down play. Oh yeah, real quick, I meant to ask you, what did you remember from last year's game, Hussey in East Lansing? I went down on the field for the fourth quarter, and um, IU really couldn't get anything done on the ground, and. I think IU is really good between the 20s, but once they got in the red zone, like a lot of times last season, they couldn't score. So I think that's going to be the big key to the game in the red zone if IU can get it done there. And I don't know if they've had too much success there in the red zone so far this season, but if they can... That's where they pull off the upset. I mean, to be that's a that's actually a pretty decent point, just because I actually had success in the red zone this season, but not necessarily come from the passing game. A lot more from Stevie Scott and Ronnie Walker and guys just being able to kind of bludgeon the ball into the end zone, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I don't think they'll be doing a ton of bludgeoning this weekend. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michigan State's defense against the run is as elite as it can get. Some big They've boys. given up just sixty nine yards on the ground so far, one point three yards a carry. Uh, which is absurd. Um, so, you know, I'd so, so like for them lo- to try and establish the run, but I just don't know how much that's So are you thinking Stevie Scott's going to have any kind of success on the ground this weekend then? I think he'll have some, but I think it'd be more like an FIU stat line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not seeing a huge game from him, to be honest. Yeah. What about Ronnie Walker? I mean, he only had three carries against Ball State. One of those was for a touchdown, obviously. Are people maybe reading a bit too much into, mm-hmm. you know, only yeah, having three It was Ball State. Are. It was Ball State. Yeah, right. like let's let's chill out a little bit. I know Allen. I think he could be used as kind of a change of pace guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I think Allen kind of hinted at that a few times at the press conference. But 
I mean, I don't think it. I don't think he's going to be seeing like ten carries this weekend no. or anything. Now, maybe three more. Yeah, you know, something. Maybe like a few, that. and it's then if six. he gets, if he does something, you know, that we're not expecting, then, you know, then he might earn his way into a few more. But I, I don't have very high expectations for him this weekend. And before we go into the score productions from Michigan State, and before we preview the entire Big Ten schedule, I just want to ask each of you one X factor because traditionally when IU tries to pull an upset and in the few occasions in recent history when IU has been successful in upsetting a team in conference play, it's usually because of one X factor, one kind of play that no one you know saw coming, whether it's a pick six, whether it's a punt return touchdown, some kind of onside kick, you know, something that kind of changes the pace of the game. So for, from each of you, what's one thing that could maybe tilt this game in IU's favor or at least give the Hoosiers a chance to come out on the end with a W? Well, I think it's going to be turnovers either way. Um, if they can force some turnovers, that's huge. Um, stop Michigan State's momentum a few times. That'd be a huge momentum changer for them. But at the same time, um, if IU starts getting into that kind of habit of turning the ball over, fumbles, interceptions, um, it could be bad. And, I, you know, it, it's kind of like the classic IU thing to do like they're going to be down by one score or less than a score you've been saying this all season I have <laughs> and like they're going to be on that final drive and something's going to happen somebody's going to turn the ball over someone's going to drop a pass and it gets intercepted or somebody's going to fumble it on a carry you know something like that and just in the drive and in the game so don't do the classic IU thing you know what I mean just don't fall into that trap and I don't think they will um, I think it will be close, and I don't think IU will make that mistake. Uh, I think the biggest thing is going to be IU's passing offense against Michigan State secondary because Michigan State secondary has been abysmal. They've given up almost 350 passing yards a game so far, and that's against Utah State and Arizona State, who aren't exactly offensive juggernauts. So I think there's going to be a real opportunity for Ramsey to get a – more yards through the air than he has so far this year. I don't know about like 300, 350-yard games or something, but there's going to be an opportunity for him to get touchdowns and plenty of yards through the air, and I think that could be kind of where Indiana could separate themselves. Uh, score prediction time now, boys. Indiana, Michigan State, Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Memorial Stadium on the Big Ten Network as well. Let's get everyone in on this, all three of us, even Hussey too. Indiana, Michigan State, Murphy, who wins score? Quick reason why. 14 to 13. <laughs> Michigan State. Ah. Uh, uh, I agree with Huss. I think it is going to be kind of a low scoring game. I think maybe a little bit more low scoring than he was even thinking. Um, just because I think they are going to just kind of beat each other up a little bit. And I don't think IU is going to do what I just said they would do, where, you know, they have that huge mistake at the end. I think they will make a drive, and I think it'll just maybe fall short um, to no fault of their own. I think Michigan State. I, th I just feel like this is a huge game for Michigan State, and they know it. And I don't think they're going to let it slip away. I think it will be close, and I think IU will give them a great effort. But I think at the end of the day, Michigan State's going to be able to pull it out. Hussey? Uh, my prediction is IU's going to win 17-14 on a Logan on a Logan Justice kick. At, Wait, at you just say IU was going to defeat Michigan State on a Logan Justice field goal? I did. Wow. It's gonna be like <laughs> it's gonna be like two years ago where they had to walk off kick to win mm -hmm. the game against Michigan State because I think. But also in hindsight, that game was trash because Michigan State not only went three and nine, but that was the year Griffin Oaks was terrible and needed like three tries at that winning field goal because of a leaping penalty. 
But I think this is the one game IU kind of on their schedule can pick off because Penn State is at home. I think that's going to be tough. And then Ohio State and Michigan, those are on the road. So I don't think of the Big Ten's top teams, this is the easiest one to get. And IU's riding the momentum. And I think uh, this is their chance. I think we've talked about last year's breakthrough, and maybe it's finished this year. So I mean, it literally is finished this finish. year. That's yeah. actually their motto. You didn't just make it up. That's literally what their motto is. So they're going to finish this one. I mean, it's whatever it takes for the Hoosiers. Um, so, Sean, prediction? I'm going to say 24-14 to 14, Indiana. Wow, okay. Wow. And Michigan State currently is something between a 4- to 8-point favorite, depending on where you look. Yeah, I don't think that's anywhere close to what it should be. <laughs> I'd say I'd say as far as betting lines would go, I'd say this one's about even. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think Peyton Ramsey's going to have a good day against that Michigan State secondary. Um, and I think the IU defense is going to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, – I don't see Michigan State getting the running game going this week. I think um, IU's linebackers have been improving week by week. We saw some semblance of a pass rush, which, you know, it might not mean anything really, but it's just good for confidence and for the defensive line that they were able to get in the backfield. Um, and I – I don't. I think they'll be able to get maybe a couple interceptions off Lewerke, Um and that's gonna that's gonna end up being the difference. And I'm kind of along the same lines. I did an interview with the uh, the State News, the wow. student newspaper over at Michigan State, oh, earlier wow, cool. <laughs> earlier this week to give them my thoughts on the game. You can check it out over. I believe it's at thesnews.com. And I said Indiana was gonna win. I forget if I gave an actual score prediction, but because I'm too lazy to look it up and because I don't have a competent memory, I'll go. 24-21 Indiana. I think I said 20-17 to 17 in that preview, and I think I said maybe in overtime. So that was very similar to the 2016 game. I think IU just guts out this win. I think this is the most winnable home game in the Big Ten on Indiana's schedule, maybe save for that Purdue game since we've seen what the Boilermakers have become this season. But also, Michigan State's just not good. Like, I'm just in the camp that Michigan State is maybe a 6-7 to seven win team at best. And Indiana hasn't given anyone a reason necessarily this year to doubt them or to think that, like Murphy said, they're going to make that really crucial mistake at the end of the fourth quarter. So I'm going to go in with some false hubris and think that Indiana is not going to make the mistake until I see it, like, right in front of my eyes. So we have three-fourths of this panel— Granted, one of those three is Hussey, saying that Indiana— <laughs> I've been on this beat longer than any of you. That's a lie. That's just a straight lie. Three out of four years when I was here. You didn't do it your sophomore this, year. This room is just full of humble brags. And I <laughs> you didn't do it your it. sophomore year. What are you talking about? Oh, three out of four years. you did it your freshman year for a website no one heard of, and you got scared, and you just left the press box before the press conferences because you didn't know anyone, correct? No. That's that's so correct. That's, that's what happened. That's what happened, Hussey. Yep. Yep. That's what happened. Yep, the silence says it all. What were you doing freshman year? Okay, then. <laughs> On that note, a uh, quick look at the Big Ten schedule. So Friday night we start number 10 Penn State's at Illinois. Any potential roadblock there for the Nittany Lions? No. No. Right then? I think I'll keep that short and sweet. Buffalo is at Rutgers. Oh, boy. I'm I'm betting on the Bulls, baby. Let's Buffalo. Go, I go all the way on Buffalo for that. Shout out Teddy Buffalo, Bailey Buffalo beat Eastern Michigan last week. Eastern, Eastern Michigan, Michigan beat, beat Purdue. Purdue. Purdue beat so. no one. So there's no tr- the transit <laughs> property stops there. <laughs> Uh, Minnesota at Maryland. That's kind of a fascinating game because those are two those are two teams IU should beat later in the season, but IU historically has lost those games. Not to mention that that's a cross like West versus East Division matchup too. Give me Maryland on that one. That's interesting. 
Speaking of that, Purdue's probably going to fall to 0-4 this week because they're at home, but they get Boston, Boston College. College. They're yeah. going to lose that. Which uh, all Boston of a sudden – Boston College is really good. They, they, they for whatever good. reason, they gave themselves a pretty hard non-conference schedule. Right. All things considered. Yeah. No, honestly, yeah. And even you know, starting out with that Northwestern game mm-hmm. at home, that's not the easiest Big Ten game to start off with. Nebraska at Michigan. Uh, oh, give me Michigan. Okay. Yeah, Michigan's yeah. going to run You know what? Nebraska the might give them an okay fight, mm-hmm. but right. I think Michigan's going to That's been the it. thing about Scott Frost's Nebraska team so far is just a lot of fight, a lot of heart, but, like, no results so far. And Grant, I think they should get used but... to that in Lincoln. I don't think Nebraska's ever going to get back to what they used to be. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, we touched upon this a bit earlier. Tulane at Ohio State. Yeah. Green okay. Wave have anything for the Buckeyes? Why That's a, they might as well not even travel to that game. The Ween Grave. Michigan State at Indiana we just talked about. And the late, late kickoff, the Fox game this week, is another interesting game. Number 18, Wisconsin at Iowa. That is an interesting That's going to end like 6-3 to three or something at Kinnick. That's going to tell us a lot about how good Wisconsin actually is because they've got a Heisman candidate in Jonathan Taylor. Right. <clears throat> but do but they I'm not sold on the Horner rest Brooke. of the team. Yeah. Saturday night at Kinnick. That's a hard game. And that's that's a primetime game, and that's a game that Iowa usually wins. <laughs> you saw that against Ohio State last year. Mm-hmm. That's going to be six. Yeah, nine to, yeah, nine yeah. to six. Nine to six. No six. touchdowns, only field Two goals. Two to zero, something that, like that. <laughs> that game starts a full hour later than the Indiana-Michigan State game, and knowing how things go, that game will end quicker than the Indiana-Michigan State no, game. No, you last week they ended like at 310. Right, because everyone ran the ball like a thousand times. It was great. Everyone just took pity that on second half moves a lot faster than I thought it would. Right. Well, every you know non-necessary review kind of slowed things down just yeah. a bit too. So I think we've exhausted everything for this episode. Final thoughts, anyone? IU, Michigan State, life, diplomas, education, world peace. What are you What are you <laughs> thinking about? The Koreas launched a unified bid for the 2032 Olympics. Really? Wow. Yeah. Huh. So. Neat. I think we should have the Olympics in Bloomington. Thanks for listening to this latest episode (laughs) of the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast. We really do appreciate you sticking with us for however long you've made it through this. At times, embarrassment. At times, just grand pedestal for football discussion. You can find all of our work at IDSnews.com, IDSnews.com slash sports in particular. And we'll be with you on Twitter, online, wherever, on Saturday night for Indiana and Michigan State, the old brass spittoon. The Hoosiers looking to claim their first spittoon since— Oh, we even talked about Ralph Green. 2016. We're not going to talk about what Ralph Green did to that spittoon in 2016. This is a family program, (laughs) hussy. (laughs) But we thank you for listening, and be sure to check us out at idsnews.com when you get the time. Thanks so much.